We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andres Hale. You might hear I am on the road, baby. You can hear the car going in the background. Uh, I am getting ready to leave Vegas and doing some last second preparations for that because it's never all done, ever. So I'm running around the city as we speak, but we had to bring you a show. So I had to bust open the laptop and record with the old man right here so trey why didn't you tell me moving sucked this bad it's the worst i mean dog relocating to another state across the country on short notice it's not fun even if you have long notice packing trashing things it's, it's just not fun man so i don't envy your position at all it sounds good because they come and pack everything and they do everything that you need them to do man that shit ain't fun at all it's yeah, horrible i'm telling you the moving part like Okay, they came to the crib, they packed everything. That's weird in itself because it's kind of creepy to think people are, like, wrapping all your stuff up. I'm like, you guys just packed my drawers? Like, that's kind of weird. But even beyond that, throwing the stuff away is worse than packing. I never knew how how much clutter I had around my loft until I started. And they were like, yo, don't pack anything. I was like, okay, but... What about the stuff I'm not taking? So I had like 10 bags of donation stuff, just so many things to throw in the trash and give away. Sold my couches on like offer up. And between that, waiting for those people to come and pick them up and doing hand to hand deals. It, it's been crazy. And then now running around the city and, you know, you have to turn off bills and utilities and get this before you leave. Uh, my car registration is randomly up tomorrow. 
So I had Jeez. to get a smog check before they shipped it, and then now you're running around and got to. I think I could do it online. I'm gonna try it after this podcast. Not it's DMV tomorrow and a whole bunch of other craziness. So there's it's just everything when it rains, it pours. So I was like, man, I, I know you've done it before, back in your your glory days of BET. And I'm just I don't know how you did. I don't know how you did twice moving to Jersey and then moving back. Yeah, I had to move back to Vegas. It sucked. I'll just say that it was it was one of those things where it was like truly one of the worst experiences in general. Because like I moved across the country to go to BET, and when I got there, the, I didn't have a house yet, so I had I stayed in a hotel, and you know it was a race to find a house before my furniture got to New York. Yo, that's so me. that was like <laughs> that's the pitch, man. Like it's like I had to get the keys to my spot. And it was like right in time for the movers to come in. And then on top of that, it's a new spot. So it's like you're trying to figure out where everything's going. I stayed in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So it was like, you know, I had a truck parked on the road. The movers are trying to move all this shit in. And my house in Vegas was much bigger than my crib was in, in New York, even though it was a big house. But it sucks, man. I'm sorry. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. The, like, uh, the wife has been doing all the apartment stuff. So that's dope. It's taken care of. But I'm like, yo, I'm not. Like, the place we settled on, like, we had to sign, we still have to sign papers, we have to do all this, and I have a couple units available, so I was like, yo, we might as well wait until we touch down, so we can figure out exactly what unit we want in this loft spot, and it's like, man, so we're not doing that, so pretty much my stuff is being shipped with no real address, they just know where they're going, and I have to call in and give them the exact address, I guess when we get there on Saturday, so we just booked a hotel room for like two or three days, and we're like, yo, we'll just move in like the middle of next week, and then when the furniture comes, they set everything up, but yeah, it's just an adventure to say the least. Indeed. It is It, it is, is crazy, um, but it's not too crazy that I didn't see what's going on on Twitter, and I've been following this entire thing, Dre, it's day three of 6 9 in court. Ah, oh, the bird sings. That's what it should be called. Oh, man. This is when I I miss the days of you being on the beat. When you were covering hip-hop crazy. You're, you're just in-depth op-eds about this. Would have been so dope. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. But, yeah, so we have the podcast platform. A lot, one thing before we get into some of the ridiculous stuff that he said today, which I think has been the craziest day out of all of them, but one thing... I've seen throughout is that people really believe that he's going to, you know, beat this because he's snitching, get out in like two months and continue his rap career and be bigger than ever. I mean, I don't put nothing past nobody, but man, this is so rap ain't the same if he can do that. No, it ain't been the same since Rick Ross was a security guard after saying he owes Noriega 100 favors, and now he's still one of the biggest rappers in the industry. It ain't been the same since then. So this Takashi stuff is like, whatever. But it's one of those things where, like, I don't blame, like, Jim Jones, which we'll talk about in a second, anybody else. But if you associated with this dude and you ain't know this dude was like a bird, he was going to be like, Takashi 69 sings the blues. It's like the name of the next album. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but if you did, like, if you associate yourself with this dude, you kind of deserve what you got. Like, if you're without, now you're sweating it, like, oh, man, he's going to Like, look at him. My man's was a complete fraud. A CB4 complete fraud. all the way. Yeah, 100%. MC and now, Gusto. 
And now he's over here, you know, trying to get off. I, I don't know how much time he's going to end up doing. I don't know what his deal is. Like, yeah. you know, nobody knows the legal the, the legalities of it all and what what kind of plea deal he's got for singing like this. But it's like my man is just like telling on everybody. Like, if, if there's anybody in the room that he if he knows your name, yo, you're getting snitched on. It's over. You did it or not. <laughs> Today you mentioned Cardi B, Jim Jones, like you touched on. Uh, Trippy Red, he mentioned yesterday. One, if you're a gangster and there's real like people who are like in the streets in New York, number one, you should be able to sniff these guys out. I don't care sure. how much money he's making you. You should be like, no, you know what? He ain't built for this life. Let's not, you know, let's use him as a face. Let's not make him privy to the criminal underbelly. Of this operation. Uh, so that's off rip. And then him just ratting out everyone else. I don't think he knows. And this gives credence to what he's saying in court. I don't think he knows how gangs actually operate. I <laughs> I think he believes everyone who claims blood from New York is part of the same blood gang. Like, I think he, yeah. he believes that. Like, everyone's nine trade. No. Yeah, Cardi, she's not Trey. Jim Jones, he's throwing a blood. He's not Trey. Trip, like, no, my man's. There's different blood games. It depends where you're from. Like, different blocks have different sects of this game. Like, it's spread out. MOBs are in the Bronx. You know, Latin Kings are here. Like, he he has no clue what this entails. And it's crazy because he grew up in New York. You should at least have some street savvy. To like know like what it, he has no clue that Catholic schoolboy picture was was more in line with who he is it seems like than this guns out the window Treyway going to Chicago looking for Chief Keith craziness that he was portraying. If you're Fifty Cent, you need to watch out because man, look, he's coming for everybody. I don't and, know what he can catch again. Fifty on though. Fifty is like so beyond the streets now. Well, you know, the thing is, is, like, what can he really catch anybody on? Like, all this snitching, like, he's snitching, but it doesn't necessarily lead to an arrest or a conviction or anything. And usually when you you, you do a plea deal like this, um, it has to lead to something. And, and I don't know if what's going to lead to what. Like, he's just, again, he's just singing. He's just out here. Anybody he spots, like, yo, he's a blood. She's a blood. I met him yesterday. He's a blood. I guess like, it builds a- the case against the other two. Like, because, again, this whole case isn't for him. It's not about anyone else. It's about the two people who are in charge of the nine trade gang or whatever. So he's just snitching on them during their trial. And to say I'm not the only artist that, you know, this criminal organization has gotten behind and, and like, try to funnel money through is what hurts them so i get it so you peg them and you try to put them on every blood member out in new york because the more stuff you can show like okay they didn't just funnel money through me they funneled it through jim jones Dipset, cardi b helped her start her career which may not be true but this is what he's trying to point at uh the dude was on loving hip-hop Treyway was on loving hip-hop it's for uh, a season it's- like you can say he's funneling money through these channels it's just crazy. Like it, it's it's crazy how much he's talking. And these transcripts coming out, it's it's bananas. I mean, this is this will be you know like we talk about other people being a great thirty for thirty, bro. Like this will be a great little documentary. Once this wraps up, 
looking forward to watching this shit because I'm glad I'm not involved. I never interviewed this dude. Fuck him. But uh, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, what happens to what's the cornball dude who was always around him? They were in like a jacuzzi together. Uh, he's a medium I don't know. I ain't that much. He's, he's with the Ooh, academics. Academics. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Like he's he's in a kind of in a weird spot. He dropped the video showing the testimony that he got off of somebody from the first day. But he he's paired himself so close to this dude. You would think people might be coming at him like, yo, you couldn't tell he was a snitch. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, but look at academics. He look like a snitch. I mean, come on, man. He does look like there's a so snitch. Many frauds, so many frauds in hip-hop today. Like, there's so many frauds. And that's why I just wasn't enthused about doing this shit like I used to. It's at a certain point, you just be like, yo, I don't want to interview another, you know, pill-popping rapper or a little pump or a fraud. Like, I, I'm cool, man. I'm so cool on this stuff. And yet, here we are. People building about up the costume. persona. Like, yo, dye your hair rainbow. And, like, I don't know what they expect from a dude with rainbow hair. Uh, but this got me thinking, um, and this will lead right into, well, actually before, one last thing on him. Can you go into witness protection with face tattoos? Nah, man, you need to get the hell out of the country. Like, there's no way you can go. And that's why I kind of, you know, to anybody who listens to this show who has, like, face tattoos or a whole lot of tattoos, it's kind of like the reason why you don't do stuff like that. Because it's kind of like stitching on yourself. Like a long time ago, I wrote an article called Stop Stitching on Yourself. Because you do too much, and then it's going to catch up with you. Like when you're finally died down, you're like, you know what? I want a regular life. Well, you can't when you have, you know, a damn marijuana leaf on your left cheek and, you know, a, a, a scale on your right. Yeah, like you guy, can't. The like, guy from Saw on your right cheek. I'm just saying, like, you can't. You can't hide from from this. And, you know, sooner or later, you might have to get a job. And uh, you know. <laughs> Sooner or later, you might have to get a job. That's by far the most old man thing you've said on this podcast. But it's so I'm true. I'm just saying. But you can tell these young whippersnappers, hey, blue face, it might not be great to have, uh, you know, just a Benjamin on your face. It's, it's probably not best for business. Nah, you know, but, you know. Cats living in the moment. Cats living in the moment. They're just like, you know what? I ain't, you know, I'm going to be rich forever. You're not going to be rich forever. It's going to end sooner or later. And, you know, witness protection for Takashi, dog, they're going to find you. You better go move to the Netherlands. Something. Something. You got to do some face-off joint, like John Travolta. They're remaking that movie. Are they remaking that? They were remaking way too many movies. I was done when they said House Party. House Party's getting remade. And set it off. I'm done. Maybe to relax. Yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're good. They, let classics be classic. Or people run out of original ideas. Something. I, I don't know. That's a whole different topic. Um, so, to getting back to where I was going to lead the conversation before is into combat sports. And, like many things, into pro wrestling. I'm trying to, one, I'm trying to think about what's the biggest snitching Storyline and pro wrestling. Real life or angles? no, 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 like angles, not real life. Like there's some real life shit. Like we just I, saw the the documentaries and stuff. Like yeah, um, um, like angles, like the biggest snitching. I don't know if it's because it's really not snitching per se with the Macho Man Hulk Hogan storyline. No, nah, that was a snitcher. Snitcher was more that like... That was Dirty uh, Mackin. Yeah. Hulk Hogan but was snitch- Dirty Mackin. 
snitching was more like, um, if I remember correctly, I think Jericho and Christian had a feud over Trish Stratus that resulted in Christian snitching on Jericho. And then what ended up happening was Trish turned on Jericho. So it was that was a WrestleMania. <laughs> was that a WrestleMania? You know, I'm trying to remember. But I believe so. It might have been, but I, I remember that angle. I'm pretty sure Christian was acting like a hoe and was uh and was snitching. But it ended up working out for him in the end, which is insane. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like pro wrestling has these moments. You can learn a lot of good stuff from pro wrestling. Usually in pro wrestling, though, the person who snitches or does someone dirty comes out on top. Right. Because heels usually win. Um, yeah, snitching, the Rey Mysterio, I guess that could be like, yo, Dominic's not your son angle. Yeah. But that's snitching on the wife. Like your wife is doing you dirty on the side, Rey Mysterio. FYI. That's that's a, that's cool. That yeah, like so wrestling, and I was trying to think. I was like, oh, maybe the old man knows. Like, what's the craziest pro wrestling snitching storyline? And the people listening to the show, I'm sure, will hit us up on Twitter. Like, yo, y'all don't remember when this happened? And I know WCW had to have some wild shit. WCW always had the best angles. Yeah, see, a Ted DiBiase snitching angle. Somewhere. I mean, the the Benoit Kevin Sullivan angle was all about woman, but that was over a woman. I just don't remember them there being any particular snitching involved in that. No, no. But, but you would think someone so snitched. Someone snitched to the McMahon's at some point. Like that, they're the corporation. Like someone had to have thrown someone under the bus. It'll come to me, but I wanted to just say it so people listening will hit us up and be like, "Yo, this is some of the best snitching angles." Because really. Takashi may not look like many things. He doesn't look like a rapper. But he definitely looks like he could be one hell of a pro wrestling character. He kind of looks like Jeff Hardy. Oh. The rainbow hair. Like, I can see him with the stockings if need be. He has the tattoos. He's kind of like a copy of Jeff Hardy. So, I was like, okay, let me see if the old man knew what was going on here. Or had any snitching angles. You guys tell us. Getting into recent events in pro wrestling, though, the kickoff of the Wednesday Night Wars, and we're just calling it this for lack of a better name, because it's competition, but it's a friendly competition. It's going to make everyone better, but we can't escape that now NXT is live on USA Network. They've had their debut, and AEW's two weeks away. They're going to go head-to-head. Everything's going to be broken down from... Match quality to storylines to even the numbers, which I hate, and that's so new school hip-hop. But the ratings every week are going to be used to compare each other. Yeah. What do you think of NXT's debut? Um, I thought it was good. Uh, them being split between TV and the network, I mean, it sucks because they're in the final season of Suits, but they want to get the, the jump on AEW. Um, I'll be clear. This, I don't think this is a friendly competition between AEW and WWE. I think some of the talent may look at this as a friendly competition, but there's nothing friendly about this. This Vince is going to try to kill AEW. There's, I don't think he wants them to live. That's true. Um, but NXT, I thought it was a good show. You know, I, I didn't think it was like their best show ever. Um, the Fatal Four Way with the the women's start that was great. I thought the Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream match was okay. Um, it was good for main roster, and I, I, I think everything is main roster now. But I'm just going to use yeah. it for. It was good for Raw and SmackDown, but it was probably on the lower end of NXT in terms of quality of match. So I don't know 
if I would have ended the network um, airing of NXT, their debut with that particular match. But it's not like it was bad. I, I know what they were aiming for, the Undisputed Era. Uh, there were some weird things that I thought were a little troubling, that I think there were missteps by NXT. The brawl at the end on the network, I think that actually might have worked better if it was on uh, TV than WWE Network. And see, I like that brawl a lot too as I get out of this car real quick and try to set up shop somewhere normal and quiet. Um, so I, I like that brawl a lot too. But yeah, like you were saying, it seems like it would have been better off if it was on television. I don't know why you don't rewrite that. Because it even ended, what, five minutes early for the network. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was one of the, like when they were doing it in my head, I was like, oh, they're going to go with the old school, like that, not even the old school, but that, that one of the greatest endings in SmackDown history when everybody just kind of came in and, and hit their finisher. It was like Austin, Rock, Taker, Kane, like everybody ran in and did. I thought they were going for that, but it was just kind of a brawl. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. But I felt like it was kind of a missed opportunity. But again, it's not like the show wasn't bad. You know, it, was that, it wasn't bad at all. It was a good show. Um, it was a good introduction. I just think there were little things that they could have done to get the audience familiar. I'm more concerned with them doing this at Full Sail, which is now dubbed the NXT Arena, which sounds terrible, every single week. I don't know about doing it there every single week. Uh, hopefully the energy's like that all the time, but what if it's not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to rely on these people coming every week, but I mean, they came every other month. You're, you're asking a lot more. There has to be some type of package in there, right? Like maybe you sell the, your tickets and give it to them a month at a time. I, I don't know. So you, you got to, you got to convince people to come back every week for two hours Rather than them being there for, you know, they recorded. Three like, hours. Yeah, they recorded multiple dark shows. Match. Yeah. Right. But now you're telling them to come back every week for two hours. Now, I'm sure that, like, I've heard they're sold out for the, a couple of months, which is cool. But I'm just thinking in the long run, you got to take this show on the road. Because, more importantly, if, if it ends up being a thing where the burnout starts happening and you're not selling out that place because it's at full sale. 50 people not being in a 400-seat arena is going to show up on television. And you don't want that look. Yeah. So it might be better. Hopefully, they think about taking the show on the road for 2020. But it is what it is. I mean, you know, the like this is – we. I want to see what they do on television. Hopefully, they don't tinker with it. I thought the Triple H cold open was great Him because uh, it looked like it was a pre-recorded segment and he just kind of spilled into the crowd. That was great. Just hopefully Vince doesn't fuck with it. <laughs> just leave it alone. That's all I ask. Well, the numbers – uh, reported so far say 1.1 mil if they keep getting 1.1 mil or just over a mil like you can't do like first night numbers all the time but if you keep people engaged and you you would think even last night a lot of the people watching were the diehards they they haven't been plugging nxt a lot they've been plugging the move to fox so they haven't even promoted a ton so you look it's the diehards we never knew how many people were watching on the network that's one thing about it. We never knew how many people watched weekly. So now those numbers kind of come out. If you're saying you have a million diehards who maybe 200,000 sway towards, you know, going and watching AEW or you share an audience and it cuts down a little bit. If you hit one mil as your constant, I think you're fine in Vince's eyes. I just don't think you're going to hit one mil as a constant. That's the challenge. Because the first week's always going to be your big week. Yeah, and then you got to deal with AEW, and that's going to split the audience. It may, it may not. Maybe they come out strong. I doubt it. But it's a, it's a matter of how does this look, you know, um, two months from now. 
That's the concern. Like the first week, boom, you know it's going to be great. Season premieres of everything are always through the roof. Season premieres and season finales. Fortunately, pro wrestling doesn't have a season finale. Yeah. It's just the shit just never ends. So there's nothing to really look forward to. I, like I know I see what they're doing with the Shayna Baszler, Candice LeRae trying to counter program AEW. Personally, I don't think that's smart. I, I think that the Candice LeRae, Shayna Baszler could use a nice build, but maybe they're working towards build off of that match. But I, or know, maybe I she's to... getting drafted finally and, and booking it to the main roster, and yeah. heel EO is ready for a true like three four month program with Candice. That's possible. And you know what? Since you brought up the, the, the name draft, I got some, some concerns about this. Because I don't know if they've really thought about it. So you have having a draft, right? Yep. So who does a draft consist of? Is it just Raw and SmackDown drafting from each other and NXT? Or is NXT involved in the draft drafting from Raw and SmackDown? Like, what the fuck is this? See, I, I've only heard the two companies and people getting pulled up. Like, like normal. Like they did before. But there's no such thing as getting pulled up anymore. No, it's a legit third brand. Yeah. Um, they're on TV as much as everyone else now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Because there's, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I wouldn't mind seeing EC3 back down. I wouldn't either. Apollo but... Crews should come back. Like, not that they need, you know, top of the program feuds, but they just need fresh feuds. Like, you can't tell me Keith Lee versus Apollo Crews wouldn't be damn, like, pretty damn cool. No, and that would be great, but the, but there it defies it defies the the logic of a draft, right? So if I'm like if I'm NXT and I get a turn to draft, even though the draft is only on Raw and SmackDown, but if I get a turn to draft, like I'm taking the best I, person. Yeah, like I'm taking the best person out there. I'm taking AJ Styles. Like give me AJ. But that fucks everything up. So it's like this is why well, they don't get a draft. Yeah, it's like I don't think I don't I don't think it's wise to call this a draft anymore. Like I think it should be called a lottery or something like that. A draft. Well, they had the shake up before superstar shake up, so yeah, it would be a draft. That doesn't work either. But I think it's a lottery. Like you can manufacture numbers to be picked, something like that. But implying that there's a draft means that everybody gets to choose the best person, and that's not going to be the case here. And if NXT is not involved, then you're treating them again like a minor league, and they're not. They're a legitimate third brand. So I don't know if they thought thought about this shit. I think they're just going to go out there and do some stuff. But somebody like me who has a keen eye on this shit is like going, "Hey, why are they drafting?" Yeah. Or you know, how is this going to work? See, so. I think a, a solid pool and kind of like Hunger Games style would work. Where it's just like, yo, we're throwing all these people in here. And only, I'd say like six people are going to get drafted. So you don't know who's going where. And the rosters are set. Because you already have rosters set for Raw and SmackDown. Right. But you say, if, you know what? We're going to go... Three, three, let's say eight. Three, three, and two for NXT. Two gets NXT gets two. And we're just gonna see your name pops up, you're going to smack and you're gonna get reshuffled. And NXT gets two people on the random. And then you know, obviously, it's booking, and you rig it for them to get two people on the random. Uh, you know, here's another question. Is is two oh five live involved in this? NXT UK, like, are they going to... Because, I mean, they showed Walter. Which I was about to like, say, because you're not drafting Walter. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting, because you showed him. He appeared. Does that mean he's going to be a regular NXT? Or is he going to go back to NXT UK? Like, what happens to NXT UK and 205 Live after this? Well, NXT UK is carrying Wednesdays. So, they're cool. They're still pre-taped. Walter is their champion. Their biggest faction just appeared 
on NXT television, which I've heard a couple of theories on why, which I actually like. Um, so that's cool. So uh, I, I'm the, just trying to figure it out. Like, well, one of the theories I heard is not that they're coming over to NXT, but that you're going to put uh, Walter's faction in War Games. So they'll be the third team in War Games. So obviously, undisputed era with all the gold will be in War Games. Then you'll have whoever's building their natural feud against them, and then you'll have Walter being the UK champion and his stable as the fourth. I mean, as the third team in War Games. And, and the interesting thing is, well, it's not even interesting. It's like if you do that, Walter's winning. So it's like Walter can't lose because yeah, it's it's. How do you bounce Walter? You, I mean, you can have one of the lackeys take the pin. But it's a war game. It's elimination. Got it. There's no DQ. It's an elimination. Somebody's got to take the pin. I don't so know. It's, it's, it's interesting because I feel That's like... That's not how they did it, right? Like, once someone in your faction gets pinned, you're eliminated. Is it? I yeah, it's not, it's not everyone has to get pinned. It's, That's how it used to be. I guess something in the old school. Yeah, your faction gets pinned. Your faction is done. That's kind of crappy too, but so you regardless, can always have a lackey. No, that's regardless, like regardless, I'm just looking at like I just want to see how all these things work because I don't watch NXT UK unless it's right before a takeover and they do like two a year. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I'm not really gonna be watching NXT UK on Wednesdays. I'm probably gonna be watching NXT and AEW. So if I'm looking to the network for a new programming i just don't know what goes in this place so it's, it's a little weird it's a little weird i'm not saying it's bad i'm just kind of interested in how this is all gonna work out yeah i think at this point they're saying you're getting the takeovers you're getting the pay-per-views for main roster smackdown and raw you're getting your 9.99 worth so you're not going to cancel because we take nxt off and let's be real they got a bag for nxt nxt wasn't making money no, I, so, I mean, I know what they did. I get it. So they're like, yo, if we lose 100,000 subscribers, we're still around 2 million on the network because NXT is gone. Everyone else is still going to keep it. So that's the trade-off of getting a yearly lump sum for having NXT on USA. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's worth the trade-off. And like you said, NXT UK, to get casuals into that, yeah, maybe you showcase their champion on NXT every now and then. You bring Walter in. Because there's a pre-taped. So he's doing nothing. Bring him over and, and you get people say, yo, who is this big ass guy standing here? Like, that's dope. Okay, let me go watch that on the network. And 205 Live just has to be a part of it. We saw that with the number one contenders match, which was the best match of the night. Yeah, it was a good, it was a really good match. But yeah. just what happens to the rest of these guys? It's just, I'm just like, what happens to the rest of 205 Live? It's a, I think it's a lot of things they got to figure out. Um, it's not necessarily bad. I mean, it's, I'm just saying you got to figure some things out. Even like the case of like Walter in NXT UK. The reason why he's in NXT UK is because he doesn't want to wrestle in the States. Yeah. He wants to wrestle at home. Yep. So I don't know what it's going to take to bring him over, but he's he's just a star, dude. You look at this guy, he's like, he's a star. I think it's the spot duty like this. Like, yo, Walter, we got a debut. And he's like, all right. Like, okay, I'll come over for like a week or two. Then he goes back home and he chills and he's still progress champion and it's crazy. He still holds all the belts over there, um, including the NXT UK belt. And that's it. And you just let him chill. And then Royal Rumble time comes back. You're like, hey, Walter, you feel like making a trip again? Then he comes back for the Royal Rumble and you, you treat him like a special attraction. 
What if there's just like a, a stare off at the Royal Rumble? Him and Brock, like it just makes them look huge. There don't even got to be a match. Again, could be really interesting. We'll see. Um, yeah, but I, I like what they did. One person who has mixed feelings on what they did seems like is one Kenny Omega, who was asked the question. You said it. He was asked the question. Um, what do you think about competing with NXT on Wednesdays? And pretty much, I have the full quote here, but I don't got to bore people. Go out there and do your Googles and read the full quote. Uh, but to cut it down, he pretty much said, you know what? I'm not competing with them. I have a lot of friends over there. There's no war going on. He downplayed the, the word and usage of a war. But he did say, if there was no brands, no companies, if everything was under one promotion, no one in NXT in that developmental company would be past a dark match or the opener on my card. And I think he started feeling himself too much. Like he started off very well and he went very left after that. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's unpack this because again, you know, some people will say, Oh, they, you know, they're talking about WWE again, but they're going to get asked and that's what's going to happen. The problem is, is that you're right. You started this off well, um, but when you start talking about you know who's on a dark match and and where you would be, it's I'm not, it's not the same thing as when Seth Rollins went off talking about you know all the best wrestlers in WWE because um, that was it was completely asinine because it's like all right, dude, relax. Yeah. But there are some parallels because one, Kenny, it's not it's not like you're lighting the world on fire with your matches. I'm not. They're not bad. They're good. But Gargano's having a better year than you yep. in the ring. Cole is too. So to say that these guys would be on your dark matches, your openers, it's, it's, you got to kind of nuance that argument because it's like, well, what's the rationale behind that? Yeah. Because if, you, if AEW is a wrestling company that focuses on wrestling and wins and losses matter, it's like you can't necessarily say that guys like Gargano or Cole or Keith Lee would be or Matt Riddle would be in a dark match. Yeah, there's no way. Like, those are top of the company guys. Like, Matt Riddle goes there now. You just had Hangman Page headline your event. No disrespect to him, but he's not Matt Riddle. He's it's, not Adam Cole. It's a, uh, it's dicey, man, because it's, this is, this is the Marvel DC argument. This is apples and oranges. It's like they're both, like, apples and oranges are both fruits, but that's where the buck start, stops. With, DC and Marvel, they're comics. And like if you throw in Vertigo and those other they're comics. But you can't say like the whole who would win out of uh Batman and Spider-Man, it just sounds stupid because yeah. they're handled differently. Their storylines are different. And with WWE, they have a different kind of a storyline. And the talent is not positioned based on um based on talent. It's positioned based on like the writers and like it's like acting. Like if if I put Denzel in this movie versus me putting Denzel in a secondary role in another movie, it's still Denzel, but it's, he's being utilized differently. That's that's how this thing plays up. I just don't think Kenny should have said what he said. That that just sounded dumb to me. I didn't, I don't get why he said that. Yeah, I, I feel like they're kind of getting lost in the sauce. Where and for right or for wrong, like it starts with Cody coming out in Vegas and and having Triple H's thrown there and. Just, Smashing it with a sledgehammer. Like, it's we get it. 
But now I feel like they got to keep building on this narrative. The only person that isn't that I see is the AEW champion, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Because he's seen this play out. He saw WCW. Yeah. Like he knows how to, you know what? We're going to be tunnel vision on ourselves and the competition will create itself. And you'll wake up one day and say, shit, we passed them. And that's how you should do it. At a certain point, I mean, you gotta, you can't fall for the damn trap. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's going, everyone else falling for the trap. (laughs) Yeah, like don't fall for the trap. Like Seth Rollins got fed up and was just like, ah, we're the best. But it's like Seth, you're feuding with Barry Corbin. Like Baron Corbin, relax. Yep. Like there is a Will Ospreay out there who's having, in my opinion, the best year period in pro wrestling this year in 2019. Yeah, him and Gargano are on each other's heels. Like yeah, they're so, they're they're back and forth. Hey, he's definitely a little bit ahead of that, though. He's yeah, I, I think I think Osprey's number one, and I think Gargano is having a fantastic year, and he's definitely number two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like when you're making these claims and you're not in the top position, like you're not in the top program. It's like just just say, just say let the work speak for itself. That's, That's it. it. That's it. It's sometimes it's okay to give a bland Mayweather like answer <laughs> to a question. Yeah, and, and not. Uh, get, don't get lost in the sauce. Got too much dip on his chip. And everything now, and uh, the Young Bucks mentioned it when they asked about tag team stuff. Uh, someone meant, said that they have the best women's division in wrestling. I'm like, did, if there's anything that Wednesday showed us about NXT, is that women's division is still stacked. Yeah. Top to bottom. And they... What, Perrazzo's not even wrestling yet. And she was super dope when she came from the Indies. Uh, Candice LeRae just started being thrown into programs. There's so much talent, women's wrestling-wise, even after everyone went to the main roster. That is crazy. No, no promotion touches WWE in terms of quality women wrestling. No, and I mean, again, it's one of those things where AEW hasn't had a real show yet, like a weekly yet. So it's hard to even try to make these judgments on who would work a dark match because, like, I haven't seen your weekly product yet. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Like, I've seen you've had three true pay per views, all in, all out, and double or nothing. And all were really good, but it's like, I there's still weeklies that you have to position talent. You, there's a lot of things you still got. You got still got to do. Like we haven't seen the entire women's roster. That that nope. battle royal isn't really indicative of what the women are going to look like week to week. Yep. So and you need you need the full roster to carry you when you have a weekly show. You you right. can't be top heavy because it'll be exposed on a weekly show. And that's right. one thing I found very weird about what he said. He was like he called NXT a developmental. And it was like, yeah. cool, if you feel that way, but what are you? Like, what is your company then? Well, because I mean, these guys have more experience than Jungle Boy, than MJF, than Adam Page. Like, these guys have more experience. Your learning curve is going to be stronger than theirs. Well, I think the thing, maybe, in, again, is how you it's how you position this. If Kenny Omega said... Uh, um, is de- developmental because that's what WWE called NXT. Then I get it because that's what NXT was supposed to be. Yeah. So you can address it as de- hey, they fucking call it developmental, not me. That's on them because it's truly not because all my friends are there and they're better than half those guys on the main roster. And what are we developing? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't even know anymore. 
you know? Yeah, he just, he did it. There was no preface to that statement. And it yeah. came out like, yo, shots fired. Exactly. And that's exactly. what Dijak took it as. Dijak responded on Twitter, and he was like, oh, you remember Bola 2017? Like, you, it was your return to Bola. You were at the top of the card. But there was a five-star match, and it was me, Keith Lee. It was like, tune in next week. We're about to do it again. Yeah. It was like, huh? yeah, can't knock that. No, I mean, the reality is, again, this is like Marvel, DC, and I'll say Vertigo is New Japan. Like, if, you're, if you love comics and you read, like, Marvel and DC and you don't read Vertigo, which is New Japan, and then you don't realize, like, how good Kenny Omega is overseas, it, it's hard because it's not the same company. A guy like Kushida, who came from New Japan and did everything that he did, and he comes over to the WWE, and it, it, he's not really the same guy anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe they're developing him. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. They well, put him in a good spot yesterday, though, to, to well, feel more to, than... To die, because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but he feels more than a cruiser. No, that felt like... You know what that felt like? And I'm, it's not even a cruiser. It felt like it was the exact shit that they did with uh, Kenta when he showed up. Yeah. It was the exact thing, and then I think he went and lost. But Well, they let him at least cut a promo. I like that. I mean, no, it's, I'm just saying it's cool, but different guys are going to be positioned different ways in different companies. It's not really up to the talent. You know what I'm saying? It's up to it's a whole lot of factors that they're playing into, and it's not really up to Kenny Omega to say Private Party's the best tag team in the world. It's up to um, Tony Khan, the Young Bucks. Like, there's a lot of other people. Same with NXT. It's not just up to Adam Cole to be the best wrestler in the world. It's up to Triple H and whoever else is there helping them out. Norman Smiley and the rest of those guys. So it's these the comments are ridiculous. And, and Kenny should have just shut the fuck up is what he should have done. The war thing, he could have left it at that and been like, tune in in two weeks and see what we got to offer. That's it. Just plug the show. Worst case scenario, plug the show. Let it speak for itself. Uh, on the main roster this week, Raw and SmackDown are preparing for their brand splits again. And this time it seems a little more promising because it's Monday and Friday. It's not back-to-back. You're, you're not really in the same realm anymore because the weekend's in between you. So Raw feels like the start of the week. SmackDown feels like the end of it. Uh, Raw this week I wasn't too thrilled with. I thought it was a weak Raw. Um, but I really like SmackDown. So I, I thought as whack Raw was... SmackDown really delivered, and SmackDown uh, on Raw, Corbin won King of the Ring. Yeah. Um, and it was like, for what? To be King Corbin? This is, there's this thing that they're doing with Baron Corbin, where Baron Corbin is improving exponentially as a talent in the ring, but he's not improving as fast as they're pushing him. And it's becoming to the point where it's like, come on, guys, like, Corbin is being forced down our throats now. Like, King Corbin was like, all right. Like, King Corbin would have been fine if King Corbin wasn't involved in the title picture Three a month months ago. ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or one money in the bank and blew it. Or, like, they keep positioning him near the top of the card. And when he was thinking, like, he was thinking up the ring. And they kept putting him there. Now that he's getting better, I'm not ready to accept it. I don't want to deal with it. King Corbin. And it, the funny thing is, like, when I saw Corbin versus Gable, I was like, Chad Gable's not going to win this shit. Like, I knew it was going to be Baron Corbin because they, they, it was better to have Gable be that uh, um, John Cena when he faced Kurt Angle type. Like, you get, you're almost there. You're almost there, but you didn't but not get here, it. not kid. Yeah. Yeah. So we can build upon that. So I saw it. When I knew it when I saw it, what it was. 
But I'm just like, Baron Corbin? Like, you could have put this on somebody that could have really used it, like Ricochet or Drew Galloway or Drew McIntyre. Like, you, that, those are guys that, that could have McIntyre used. might be hurt. So. Maybe he is. But I'm just saying, Samoa Joe, like, anybody. Yeah. Baron doesn't need it. You already have him positioned at the top of the card. But we like, see that with Money in the Bank now, too. They just don't put it on the right people. Like, exactly. you don't put it on the person who's on the brink of becoming hot, where it puts them over the ledge. You put it on the person who's dead-ass cold that you need to make lukewarm. Yeah. And that, that's not the way to go about it. Like, it was always a tournament of who's that next guy. You won King of the Ring. You won an IC title. The year after, you were in the t- main event title picture about to get your shot and about to get the belt. Right? So we have... We have Brett twice, we have Austin, we have Owen Hart, just Booker. We, we had this progression. There's an expectation that comes with King of the Ring. Not that you get an immediate title shot. The expectation is, okay, you're about to go to the top of the mid-card, to the top of the card, period, quick. And we look at it, and we, Corbin's been there. and hasn't right. done shit with it. So why are you insulting our intelligence of what King of the Ring has been? I mean, but let's be honest. King of the Ring hasn't been King of the Ring in a long time because when they talk about King of the Ring, when you watch Raw and they were like, oh, Austin, Owen, Booker T, they don't tell you about the shit that they did recently when they had guys winning King of the Ring on television and nobody cared. Yeah. Like, there's been some pretty, pretty shitty King of the Ring. What was the guy with the punch? Uh, I don't even shit, remember. The British guy, he's not there anymore, but he was King something too. Was it like Fifth Finley the King of the Ring one time? Or Regal? One of those guys. I don't know. Regal, Regal won King of the Ring once. But uh, the last one um, for WWE was uh, he had the Bull Hammer. Shit, I don't think of his name. But yeah, anyway, he was in the League of Nations and a whole bunch of shit. It, oh, you saw Wade Barrett. Okay. Wade Barrett. Yeah. And he became yeah. King Barrett. At yeah. this point, it's uh, since Booker, it's only been used as a gimmick. Or as a tool to change someone's gimmick. So yeah. Corbin had a stale bouncer gimmick. He's no longer commissioner or whatever the hell, constable. So they're like, yo, we need to switch him up a little bit. Oh, King Corbin. There you go. That's how we get him out of that stupid, you know, serving vest that he was in. And, and I mean, okay, I, I actually had to pull this up. So Corbin won, obviously, this year. Bad News Barrett won in 2015. Sheamus won in 2010. Nobody remembers that shit. Regal won in 08, Booker T won in 06, and was probably one of the best Kings of the Ring, so they changed his entire character. Lesnar won in 02 when he beat RVD, and I remember that shit. Um, Edge won, Angle won, Billy Gunn won King of the Ring. Nobody remembers that shit. No, Um, that's not bad. Shit, Billy Gunn won in King of the Ring? It's like they tried tried to push the one Billy Gunn, and that was trash. This gun just wasn't it. But King of the Ring, it's just it's it's a nostalgia thing because we remember Austin and we remember Brett and we remember Owen and Booker. Everybody else doesn't really matter. So in Corbin, it's like if they, if you're gonna do this tournament from week to week and have it culminate into after the pay per view of Clash of Champions, which we need to talk about, um, I think you just should put on somebody that that could use it. And Corbin, there's nothing for him to use. He's just more annoying now than he was before. Yeah, I forgot Clash of the Champions just happened. By the way. Um, it felt like it was a couple weeks ago. I know. I guess it, it just happened. Um, let me pull that up. And the other thing from weekly television, though, and it's kind of a little spoiler for Clash of Champions, but oh well, is Brock Lesnar returned. 
but he returned to SmackDown. I think we all saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, they're going to Fox, and the biggest guy is Brock, and Brock probably said, I want to be there, and Vince probably said, I need you there, so this might be the end of Kofi's reign, guys. Yeah, it was a good run. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad at it, though. As long as Brock, and Fox has enough to pay Brock to be around a lot more. Yeah, but we'll see if he does. That's when, the thing about when Brock. When he's around a lot, I can stomach it. When he disappears with the belt, it becomes problematic. So a Clash of Champions, AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander, five-minute match. Why be um, on the pre-show if it's a five-minute match? It was on the pre-show, but, like, okay. So this match, I didn't like it when I watched it. But then when I watched AJ Styles, like his new attitude, AJ, I liked it because now I get it. Now I feel like they're giving AJ this mean streak where he's just beating the shit out of people. And I'm fine with it. I just, you know, I, I would have liked to see Cedric do a little bit more. Um, but he kind of got squashed. So I guess they're going to move on. It's weird, man. Cedric Alexander and Ricochet just both got beat by AJ Styles. And then, like, Ricochet's doing weird shit with the Canellas. Yeah. Like, Mike and Marie Canellas. And then Cedric, I don't know where he goes from here. It's, it's a weird spot to be in. Well, that's, that's why there's a brand split, right? Like, the brand <laughs> split better hit reset yeah. on them quick. For now. Um, where's Aleister Black? Anyway, or, or, or Andrade for that matter. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, is, is Alistair Black still, like, in a closet threatening people? I is think so. He threatened one person. He was at SummerSlam or something and beat them, and then that was it. He never threatened anyone again. So maybe no one wants to hang out with him anymore. So, uh, But we did have Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler becoming Raw Tag Team Champions. That There's enough again. real tag teams. Right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like again, this would have been something that if Rude and Ziggler formed a tag team a while ago, I might have bought into this because I was like, hey, this kind of you know the arrogant side. I, I would have bought into them being a legitimate tag team, but to them just to show up, win that little tag team scramble shit that they did, and then become champions, kind of lame. I don't want the title to be used as a prop for you know the main event either. Like yeah. I don't like when they do that shit. Let the tag teams drop. Well, they are not. And it took him three weeks, three weeks to be like, hey, me and you should team to, hey, we're champions. So that that can't be great. And then we had Bailey defeating Charlotte Flair. Um, Cool. Cool. Short. Short. Bailey got over on some heel shit. The runaway was kind of weird to me because it's like, dude, when they turn characters heel, it's not like a natural progression. Like, they become chicken shit heels, like, immediately. Quick, fast. And, and I didn't really need Bailey to be a chicken shit heel, like, overnight. Like, get over one. That's cool. But this, like, my bigger problem is turning Charlotte into a babyface for really no reason. Yeah, she's not a good babyface either. Nah, she's a trash babyface. Like, at some point, <laughs> we should have heel Charlotte and heel Sasha. You don't have to, like, flip-flop them all the time. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. Like, Charlotte's, Charlotte is a, an amazing heel, and so is Shasha. Let them stay heels. To be, I don't yeah, to be fair, all four of them could be heels, and I'd be perfectly fine. Um, and sooner or later, you just have the four horsewomen as a stable. Why not? Now that you have tag team championships, there's no reason not to have all four of them as heels. And just have the best women's stable ever. You just got to get them all on TV. We ain't seen Naomi in months. Word. Carmella was just here super kicking people, but she came out of blue. And teaming up with Charlotte, who she had beef with. Yeah, where's I understand o- that. Where's Asuka and Kyrie Sane? 
Well, uh, what's your face just had another surgery, Paige, and they believe that they need a mouthpiece, obviously. Ridiculous. So they won't be on TV until their mouthpiece is back. Absolutely pointless. Pointless, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Um, then we have the revival beating New Day. I think I called that. Uh, yeah, I don't mind it. I don't. I don't mind it. The revival are a fantastic tag team. The New Day are the New Day. They're going to be over no matter what. Yeah, it was a good match. So yeah. I thought that was cool. And then Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, Cross and Bliss retain. This is bad. <laughs> well, I think if we totaled it up, I think Alexa Bliss maybe had 50 seconds in that entire match. No, but this match was bad. Like, Fire and Desire are a bad tag team. In terms of wrestling and I chemistry. I refuse to call them Fire and Desire. <laughs> they, they, I'm just saying they're bad. Like, they're yeah. not fun to watch. Like, the Iconics, like, they're not good wrestlers. But they're comedic and they're like and they're funny and like they know that they're not good wrestlers and you can kind of watch them and tell that they're not good wrestlers because of the spots they do. Yeah. So you're you accept it. You're like, all right, whatever. The iconics are the iconics and they're fun. We watch them for the promos. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, like they try to have good matches and it just doesn't work with those two. And in this match, it's like Alexa, Nikki, and these two. It's just man, this was bad. There's so many tag teams you could have put on in this spot. This just wasn't it. And I didn't even know who the hell the heel team was. I guess Alexa and Nikki are baby faces now? I guess so. Whatever. Yeah, who knows? Um, But yeah, no, they're just not good. Sonya Deville is one who could have just used a nice little solo run in NXT. She could have had something if they would have let her cook a little more. You know what's funny? Everybody in that match got their ass kicked by Oscar. Not even close. Just got murdered by Oscar, and Oscar's nowhere to be found. Yeah, crazy. It's crazy to think Oscar had a streak. Like,. People tune in WWE when they know that. Um, then we had Nakamura versus The Miz with Sami Zayn. Cool, you know. There's interference. Uh, this Sami is Zayn another. Hopes. This like, is another match where I was just like, I don't think I care. Like I just, it was it happened. It was indifferent. It wasn't bad. It wasn't it was, good. It was, it was just there. Yeah, it's all right. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see what the payoff is with Sami Zayn and Nak. I don't know. Um... Sasha versus Becky. This was a match where I think I said this last week. You start to realize how much better Sasha and Charlotte are than Becky and Bailey. Yeah. And this match was it was a good match, but it's very indicative of how good Sasha Banks is. Becky's kind of like okay, and she's never like aside from the character, she's never been the top girl in the in out of those four. No, ever. The she gimmick was, works. Yeah, she was the bottom of the four. Which yeah. led to the man gimmick, so, which is cool. Like Austin was never a great wrestler in range. He doesn't have to be shit. great. No, Austin was a great wrestler before the neck. I mean, but when when Stone Cold came out, he wasn't. He wasn't in his prime. Stunning but, Steve Austin was a great wrestler. I take it back. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm not counting Stone Cold as. But a, dog, like as Austin a had again, like Stone Cold versus Bret Hart. Come on, man. Like that's like. Don't you can't tell Austin short like Austin was a great talent and it, yeah the neck injury happened but he was still he still had very engaging matches like Becky is an engaging character but her matches haven't necessarily translated and I'll this, give you this, that. like her run just hasn't been really good until Sasha showed up and then they had a great match like this, I was into this match the finish was kind of weird with the ref dying from a chair shot I don't think referees <laughs> should just like die from a chair shot. But, you know, if this is what we got to do to get to hell in the cell, so be it. Yeah. I mean, they tried to develop a blood feud that can culminate in Hell in a Cell. Makes sense. Um, unlike the other Hell in a Cell match, which we'll get to. 
Uh, Kofi beat Randy Orton, moved off that program. This match sucked. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> it was way too long again. I, I I don't know why they got that amount of time. They didn't do much with it. Uh, I don't know. Randy Orton, to me, it's just, it's so hard to get him into a good match. Now. Thought when he's when he's not into it, he's not into it. And I don't know, and I'm not even gonna say he wasn't into this match, but this match was so slow and methodically paced. Like, and it I felt said, like a 2011 match. Yeah, and I felt like you know I'm watching Kofi, and if this is the end of Kofi's run, we didn't get the match that we deserved out of Kofi because I would have loved to have a Kofi AJ Styles feud or somebody smaller, even if they push Mustafa Ali to the top, like somebody smaller so Kofi could really go. The Randy Orton feud didn't really do anything for Kofi in terms of really showing what he's got as a champion. It was like built to get him over on a guy that he had a feud with 10 years ago, which is cool. But I, I still wish we would have got that, that match where it's like, well, damn, man, Kofi could really go. Well, he had him, his chance right against DB. So it was him versus Daniel Bryan. If you're not getting yeah. that match out of Daniel Bryan, then what are you doing? And but then, he won the title there. So that's, that's different. And that was as the best defense, match in his feud, though. Yeah, but as a defending champion, I wish he would have got the feud that would have been like, oh, shit, like he can go. Like he spent a lot of time trying to prove he belonged. And if they take the title off him with his Lesnar feud, I feel like much of this title reign was like, I'm proving that I can belong. Kind of like CM Punk's first run as, as a champion or maybe his second, where it was like he was like showing that he belonged and they took the title off him. And then maybe a second run will even be better, but I, I mean, I hope we get to see Kofi another run. I, I mean, maybe shit, maybe Kofi beats Lesnar. Who the fuck knows? They protected the hell out of that Trouble in Paradise finish. Nobody kicks out of that shit. That's true. I, I mean, it did cross my mind that Kofi might actually win that match, just because that Beast in the East match is still fresh in my mind. But who knows? I maybe mean, shit, they got, got Hell right after that. Yeah, maybe you put Kofi over on him. Yeah, That'd be it. something. Um, Eric Rowan defeats Roman Reigns. Done well only because of the ending. Yeah, the Luke Harper arrival was fantastic. Perfect. Um, long, still too long of a match. Yeah, still a little bit long. Because, um, again, Eric Rowan, he's not a bad wrestler. Just nobody gives a shit about him. So it's like, you know, at a certain point during the match, I was like, all right, this, this match is fine, but I don't care about Eric Rowan. But yep. whatever. No, I agree. But... And then we see him this week, I guess, attacking Daniel Bryan. Is this going to lead to Roman Daniel Bryan tag team versus uh, the Bludgeon Brothers? I, I don't know if I need that, but I feel uh, like that's the direction we're going. And we'll go only, back to face Daniel Bryan. The, the only thing that I do enjoy about this Eric Rowan character is that he uses everybody's full name. And I think that shit is hilarious. Like, no, he uses he, their short name. Oh, no, yeah, he shortens it. He yeah, doesn't yeah, use yeah. it for me. He calls Daniel Dan and Michael Cole Mike. I, I actually think it's kind of funny. and It's a nice little nuance to it. But other than that, like, I don't want to see Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns tag team unless Daniel Bryan is going to turn on Roman Reigns. Yeah, we were calling for that in this match, and it didn't happen. I didn't. Um, and then main event, Seth Rollins beats Braun Strowman, which was shocking to me, and The Fiend comes out and attacks him. Really, well, it was a showcase for The Fiend. Well, you know, first and foremost, hey, hey, it's the big show. That's Braun Strowman. <laughs> he yeah. is now, he's now that guy. He's the guy who's going to put the little champions over. So there At you go. At least the big show had a run with the belt. He'll get one eventually. But for a while, big show was just kind of like the guy who just put little guys over. Like Mysterio's first feud, I believe, when he won the title was the big show. Stupid, but whatever. Um, 
Uh, yeah, we got to get into this. The Fiend uh, automatically, immediately injected into the title picture. I don't like this at all. I don't like this. <sighs> just, th- where do you go from here? I don't know. Just keep him off TV. Even if he's with the belt, like, cool, you can have the belt in the Firefly Funhouse. You can, you can make it work, right? Because your champion will be on television. Unlike Lesnar when he just disappeared. He doesn't have to be wrestling to be on television. But when the belt is there, I don't know. I, I like the idea of him chasing people for vengeance, right? That's the point of The Fiend, to avenge and do stuff Bray Wyatt couldn't. When he becomes champion, then what? Yeah, like, like so- do you now defend off of only people who have wronged Bray Wyatt? Like, there's no reason, there's no other reason to then become a title challenger? There's there's a huge problem here. Like there's a huge logic problem and a timing problem. The timing problem is Bray Wyatt as the fiend just kind of got here. Like he just showed up. That's and not, had, I mean, it's been beginning of May. I'm I'm just saying, like, but he didn't have a match until SummerSlam. Yeah. So he kind of just got here. So it's like, all right, so he squashed Finn Balor. Not the demon, he squashed Finn Balor. And now it's like, boom, you're in the title picture. I get it. I like uh, the Firefly Funhouse is super over. I think this character is probably one of the best things he's ever done in the WWE in terms of presentation and giving us something that didn't feel really PG. But it, yeah, you're right. If he becomes a champion, now what? Like with even with Undertaker, it was like there was a build. Or even like when Lesnar finally beat The Rock, there was Lesnar beating the shit out of people on his way there, making Hulk Hogan bleed from the mouth beating rvd for king of the ring like he worked his way it took him a year but he worked his way there i know this is why it's not a new character but the fiend kind of is and this iteration of the fiend should be somebody that's like i I've, i keep saying it like he should be beating the shit out of legends to start kill like wrestle kurt angle and kill him yep. not, not jumping him is cool like even kane like i want to see kane versus like the fiend the fiend squashes him like special attraction matches. Because once he wins the title, the clock starts ticking as, as to when you take the title off him. Because he hasn't proven yet that he can carry the match as a wrestler. That's different. Yeah, I mean, the character plays a lot into him as a wrestler at this point, too. So it's not like we're expecting 15-minute quality matches. But As long, as, long as the build, no, as long as the build is great, you don't have to just keep you know, the ring relatively normal. Don't put maggots on the canvas and you'll be okay. Like you get the, through a match. But my point is like eventually you have to because when it's time for Bray Wyatt to have a 50-50 feud or somebody he's going to lose to, he's going to have to wrestle a match. He's not going to get squashed. He's no, not. No, no. So he's got to eventually wrestle and that's what happens when you become champion. Eventually you have to have longer matches. You can't like, he's only had one squash. And does he squash Rollins? And what's that do for Rollins if he gets squashed? Yeah, I don't know. Rollins has to get some offense in. And and that feels weird because The Fiend just showed up as like this murderous guy with a, he's like snaps necks as a wrestling move. Yeah. So it's like, I'd like to see him like destroy other people. Even somebody like Daniel Bryan, I would have been fine with him going over on his, like this revenge tour to eventually get to the title. But maybe he doesn't even really want the title. Like there, there needs to be a little bit more nuance in how this is handled because I know they have no end game pictured for Bray Wyatt, and they never have, and they never will. Yeah, he'll get the title and be like, "Cool, look at our champion." Then it's like, "Well, how does he lose it? Fuck, I don't know." Put him in regular ass matches? I don't know. Too soon. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't know because my my only response to that would be 
Bray beating the hell out of Seth and saying, I don't even want the belt. I just did this off of principle. And I'm like just sadistic. But now it's like, you're what do you do with Seth? Title. Yeah, like, what do you do with Seth? Like, if he just takes an ass whoop and then he has to chase back for some redemption, right? Like, that's that's cool, but you can't because you kind of want the Fiend to just keep beating up legends. Um, you'd have to move Seth into a different program and then just have it like in the back of his mind that why it's there and do a blow off at another point. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I don't know of a good way to paint him. It's it's weird because know. on top of that, it's like, all right, let's just say Bray Wyatt squashes Seth Rollins, right? And obviously, if you're Seth Rollins, you want revenge. But it's kind of weird to get revenge on somebody who just squashed you. Yep. Like when when Brock Lesnar destroyed John Cena, like that was a – when you squash somebody, it's usually to make them go away. Like Finn Balor's on vacation. Yep. Is Seth Rollins going on vacation? Maybe that's the angle. That's right. That might be possible. Like listen, if, if Becky loses and Seth loses, they might go on vacation and get married. Right, right. And you just like cool. You know who ain't looking forward to hearing about that? CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> they get vacations. <laughs> he, was, he was so shocked. Uh, he was like, "That's all I was asking for. Literally, all I was asking for." <laughs> that's it. <laughs> he was dumbfounded about that. But uh, yeah, so that's that's for wrestling. We'll see how it plays out. Um, it seems like they're going to stack this SmackDown card though. The opening yeah. one, so we get Lesnar versus Kofi. And I'm sure we'll get a bunch of other cool matches and nostalgia. So that's going to be damn near a mini pay-per-view. Yep. So a lot of questions to be answered along with NXT and AEW in the next couple of weeks. We'll stay on that. Uh, before we wrap up this show real quick, just touching on a little bit of boxing and MMA. Uh, not much going on, but stuff to touch on. Ryan Garcia gets a new deal with Golden Boy after what I swear was just a crazy-ass beef. Like, in two days, they went from I hate each other to we're best friends. Look, I was there for the, all that shit last week with Avery Sparrow getting arrested. Like, I, <laughs> like full disclosure, working at The Zone, when I'm at the fights, I sit in on the fighter meetings. For those of you who don't know the fight, what the fighter meetings are, fighter meetings are the last time that a fighter, the day before the weigh-in, sits with the broadcast team, and we have a researcher. And this is where... Uh, the commentary team gets all their notes that you hear on fight night by talking to the fighter. So I sit on fighter meetings. Me, uh, you know, Todd Grissom, Sergio Mora, uh, Chris Mannix, Brian Kenny. So we all sit in on these meetings, and I ask questions. Every like I asked a lot of questions about it to Avery Sparrow. Um, and ne- full disclosure, never once did any of us in the room know that he was wanted by the law. None of us. Knew. <laughs> Golden Boy knew. Nobody told us. So it was, a, and I'll also say this, Ryan Garcia didn't know. So there's a reason why he was pissed, because he had no idea that his opponent was going to get arrested. So the day of the weigh-in, when I'm sitting there, and, you know, I, I hear Avery's team, like, he's not coming down, he's not coming down. And, like, our production team's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we, we didn't know. We had no idea. We tell Ryan Garcia, Ryan's losing his shit. And he's like, yo, I'm supposed to fight. Nobody told me this. And then... Eric Gomez throws Ryan Garcia under the bus to go like to Chris Mannix on the zone broadcast and says, oh, well, first it was to Lance Pugmire. He said, uh, yeah, we offered him Duno, which is the fight that ended up getting booked for the Canelo Covila fight, which was the plan all along. But Gomez goes out on a limb and says, well, Duno, you know, he could fight him tomorrow. No, that's like 12 hours notice. Like, who's going to do that? Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. It makes it, it made Ryan Garcia seem like a pussy. And he didn't want to look like that. So, yeah, there was real beef. 
there was real beef there. How they, I know what happened without telling what happened is, you know, they threw a bag at Ryan. Shit. That's it. They threw a bag at Ryan. I was like, please be quiet. Because more than anything else, you got to keep Canelo happy. Ryan Garcia trains with Eddie and Chepo Reynoso, who are Canelo's trainers. They train together. Canelo's going to have Ryan's back. So you got to take care of Ryan Garcia. And you guys only have like three fighters on Golden Boy that anybody gives a shit about. Like he's one of them. Yeah, you can't you can't alienate him. No, it's you know, it's him. Well, actually there's four. Um, Ryan Garcia, Canelo Alvarez, uh, Virgil Ortiz, and Jaime Munguia, who headlined the Mexican Independence Day card. But other than that, like man, Ryan Garcia Ryan Garcia has three point one million Instagram followers. You keep that man happy. And then Ortiz just well, the fact that Oscar came out was like Ortiz is our brightest young star. Like, a smack in the face, and then I see him and Ryan Garcia smiling today when Garcia signed the contract. I mean, okay, so the, the truth is, Virgil Ortiz is the best fighter on, <laughs> of the young fighters. That's the truth. But you don't say that shit. <laughs> that, that's the issue. You don't say that. Like, and, you know, Ryan's getting better. I know a lot of people have been down on Ryan because of his last couple of fights, but he's working with the Reynosos. He's getting better. This is a guy who went 3-3 three and three with Devin Haney. Who Devin Haney, who we just watched massacre a man in the ring on Friday night and destroy his orbit, orbital bone. Yes, sir. Devin Haney is, I mean, I'm going to go off a little bit here. Devin Haney is the best fighter under 25, period. It's not even fucking close. Ooh. Who's uh, better than Devin Haney under 25? Yeah, no, I mean, I can't. That's That's tough. 25 is an interesting cutoff. I got to see ages. Um, Tank's not better. I think he beats Tank. I think yeah, he beats him pretty think, handily behind I, that jab. I think Haney's better than Tank. You might be right. Like who? I mean, there's Tiafimo and my concern. He's with better Tiafimo. than Tiafimo. My concern with Tiafimo is his dad. I think his dad, his family issues are, may eventually catch up to him. He's going to reel that shit in. Everybody from Brooklyn is a goddamn head case in boxing. I don't know what it is. So everybody from Brooklyn has met, has some issues with like family and friends. Um, he's better than Shakur. He's better than Shakur. He's better than Virgil Ortiz. Better than Benavides. Um, that's the only person, and we'll see him next week. Um, David Benavides versus uh, Anthony Durrell. And people forget David Benavides is 22. So, but Devin Haney, frightening guy. Ryan Garcia is. It's crazy. Again, they went three and three in the amateurs, but it looks like Devin Haney's gotten so much better than Ryan. But we'll see. Yeah, he's crazy young, but I I agree. I'm trying to find one. Haney's the youngest out of all of them, too. He's not even 21 yet. Which is bananas. No, yeah, I think you're right. Haney might be the best out of that crop. I. That's crazy. To think about. Yep, Devin Haney. I'll give it to him. Shakur Stevenson, I think if he can translate into a more offensive fighter, that he might give him a run for his money, but I don't know. To me, Shakur Stevenson looks a lot like Andre Ward. Could be. So I mean, you, Andre, right. Yeah, it is. Like, But can you Andre Ward your way through the career at this point, in this stage of boxing? Would Andre Ward be Andre Ward today? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that style, especially in those weight classes, will, will hold up. Like, kind of got to be exciting. Got to be offensive with Tanks and and Garcia and all these guys who can put a beating on people. Um, I don't I don't know if Shakur is up there. But 
man, that's a hell of a conversation to go off on a tangent. Um, the other thing we saw this weekend was Tyson Fury. Yeah, the Mex- race against the clock. Yeah, Mexican Independence Day. Uh, it came out showing mad props to Mexican heritage. People were kind of claiming uh, cultural, cultural appropriation, but he wasn't Rachel Dolezal. Like he, he was just bigging him up. You can big up someone. That's like coming to New York and throwing on the Yankee fitted. I understand. Like you can show props without appropriate. Like that's not his whole life. He's not trying to paint himself as something he's not. He was just showing props. It's their holiday. He was giving them a big ups. I had no problem with that. He had the cool lucha mask. He came out. He did the whole entrance. Uh, his last fight, he did the American joint and came yeah. out with the Rocky thing. He's not American. Like, he's a gypsy. So he's embracing everyone's culture as he travels around. I like it. I like the gimmick. Um, so I thought that was cool that he comes into the fight against Waylon, who we thought, you know what? You can put him out whenever you want to put him out. You can style on him. You get your rounds in. The fight is however Fury wants it to go. And that all changed in the second round. When what at first looked like a headbutt, but turned out to be a clean ass left hand. Clean. S- split him open, and that changed the entire fight. Not that Fury wasn't winning rounds, but he was in survival mode. Oh yeah, he was trying to race against that cut. You know, I think there was a there was this prevailing thought that Tyson Fury's overrated. No, he's not. Like, dude, he just soundly outboxed Deontay Wilder and survived a death blow. Like to to get a draw, he's not overrated. I think Whalen's better than a lot of us thought he was. He wasn't Tom Schwartz. Like he was there to fight. Whalen came to fight, and I think Fury came in with the mindset like I need to get some rounds in. And when he got cut, that changed everything. He he got a little bit desperate. You know what I'm saying? He got a little uh, he got there were rounds where he was like, all right, do I do I start to throw my hands or do I try to get these rounds in because of this cut? There's a lot going on in that fight. Yeah. Um, I think we just got to give props to Whalen because now he's going to get, well, Valin is how you probably say his name, <laughs> but I think he'll get another big fight because of this. Um, As he but, should. Yeah. But the people that say Fury was overrated, that's ridiculous. Dude, he, he beat Klitschko. He was the first guy to beat Klitschko. Relax. Yeah. The, guy the, the, the cut is what changed everything because he was still really in charge of that fight. Round six through like 11, he showed that like it, it wasn't even close in levels of talent so he was just crushing in in round six to 11 and then 12 he kind of got caught and rocked a little bit and we saw valine go on the offensive and fury was able to survive my question then becomes and it's weird but in mma we see this more than boxing when guys get cut they usually open up that same cut over and over and over again after that yeah yeah I wonder how this positions him going into the Wilder fight that's already signed. Well, I think it's interesting because that fight is booked and slated for February, I believe, 22nd of next year. And obviously, Wilder still has a fight to win. He still got his fight, Luis Ortiz, and I believe that'll be in November. Um, so, you know, there, there are a lot of things going on, but that cut um, is 47 stitches. I, I don't know. I think you might need to get a plastic surgeon in on that. I don't know how well it's going to heal in time for him to train for the Wilder fight. So it could put a damper on the date. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if he's got superpowers. He's got superpowers to get up. Maybe he's got superpowers <laughs> to heal as well. Yeah, but that's the last thing he wants against a guy like Wilder. You can't touch your face like that. and You can't bury your head. Like, against Deontay Wilder, he's, he's opening up that cut. 
Well, he's going for, but the, again, it's if Wilder can hit him. Like if you look at the first fight, Wilder didn't land but a few clean shots in Tyson Fury. So you know, if he can protect himself, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's a tough cut though, because that that cut was not in a great place. No, and it wasn't like hidden under the eyebrow. It was like right there, where you get hit there again and it splits open. And it's like oh shit. So they got to really do a great job between now and then. Like you can't let scar tissue build inside of there. Yeah. Where it opens up automatic. Like, it's like a cauliflower ear at that point. It's like, yeah. yo, it's just waiting to bust. Like, no, like, you, they really got to baby it between now and then and try to do everything they can and, you know, use more than just an entire tube of Vaseline, which yeah. they were just slopping on top of the cut, hoping that it would, you know, remain closed. And somehow the ref allowed it. Yeah, well, like the thing around like seven, like the, it fell off. Like the whole glop just fell off. Like yeah. we were watching it from ringside. There was like an empty arena after the Mungia fight. And I didn't go to the post fight press conference. Like me, Doug Fisher, um, I forgot who else was with us. We just sat there while they were cleaning out the arena. It was like just the four of us sitting at a table with nobody there watching this fight. It was crazy shit. <laughs> Life of a journalist. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm glad to be back in the mix after next week. Three weeks off is crazy. I didn't know what to do with myself, Dre. Um, and then we also had UFC. Yeah. UFC in Vancouver. Really the main events. What's the talking point? Justin Gaethje KOs Cowboy. I think we saw this coming. Yeah, there were people that were just like, I didn't think Gaethje was going to win. What are you, nuts? Have you watched this man fight? Like yeah. the, the, A calm, cool, and calculated Justin Gaethje is a scary man. Scary, scary man. And he's, in my opinion, the best foil to Khabib, just because the set of skills. It styles makes fights. And I I try to tell people this. I'm like, look, because people are like, well, Tony Ferguson. I was like, look, I want to see Tony because he's earned that opportunity. But I don't think Tony has a striking to make Khabib think twice about taking him down. I think Justin Gaethje does. So and that's not to say that Gaethje would beat him. But I like that style and I want to see how that works. That's it. Yeah, the style, the leg kicks, something Khabib haven't, hasn't had to really worry about. Um, and people are like, oh, you kick someone's leg and you leave yourself open for a takedown. Not when you kick that low. Um, I mean, it's, it's true. You yeah, can leave yourself open to a takedown, but okay, let's those, see what happens. Yeah, those angles that he kicks from are crazy. And the quick twitch. And people are too worried about the hands anyway. So, yeah, yeah sure, you shoot for the takedown and you get catch an uppercut to the grill. So Gaethje's just, yeah, he's so awkward in that pressure. And the only, and even more so than the Conor fight, the biggest glaring weakness I can think recently of Khabib's game was the Michael Johnson fight. It's when Johnson just put his head in his hands, went into Khabib, Khabib had to back up, and Johnson pressured him. And Khabib really didn't know how to strike from that. So yeah. we'll see. That's Gaethje's whole game. And Gaethje has a good wrestling background. Is he the wrestler of Khabib? No. Nobody is. But he's that throwback sprawl and brawl guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be tough, man. Like it's it's gonna be tough for Gage. It's gonna be tough for anybody to beat Khabib. Because once he gets his hands on you, it's pretty much over. So you have to beat him in, like you have to get him before he gets you. Yeah, which is the key. And better easier said than done. Hell yeah. In, in a lot of instances, as we saw a couple weeks ago. Uh for Gage the winner, what's next? Does he wait? For Khabib, say I'm no. the number one contender, or does he, you know, try to cash in on Red Panty Night? Yeah, you fight Conor McGregor. That's that's the fight. There's no reason. I think the fight for Conor is Dustin Poirier, but nonetheless. 
No. It, it, like, dude, no. Because Connor is a guy, clearly, who wants to prove he's the best. And although the Poirier fight would make sense at some point, yeah, I don't think you need to do it right now. But I think Gaethje deserves the rub but heading into a title fight if he can beat Connor, And that's a hell of a fight more than anything else. And then, you know, you can't really wait on Khabib and Tony Ferguson because that, that fight has been cursed for so long. So long. So many times. So you got to stay ready in case you want to jump in. So it's like if it isn't uh, – if it isn't Conor McGregor for Justin Gaethje, who is it? If it's not, a t- if you get, if you're not going to get a title fight, who is it? it? Has to be Conor. Yeah, I mean that's it. Unless you, unless he wants to run it back with Poirier, if Poirier's ready, um, try to get that win back. No need for that because if Justin Gaethje loses, that makes everything even worse. Yeah, I don't know Gaethje for the first time in his career, and it's not his mentality, but it, you know. Probably smart to sit back and wait. Nah, you fight Connor. <laughs> you for the, you don't wait. That's the biggest fight you can get right now to put you on the map. You fight Connor McGregor, and it's a fight that you that you could have with that's sure to be fireworks. Yeah, and you gamble on yourself winning. Because honestly, you miss out on a belt. But how much do belts matter? I don't know. That's Connor. So, yeah. So if he takes a Connor McGregor fight, it's. What, he's going to probably make twice as much as he would make in a title fight against Khabib? Maybe three? If you get pay-per-view points, easily. Exactly. Easily. So. so you're cashing out at least double on what you would make waiting for a title fight. So you're right. If Connor takes it, you, you jump all over that. And he makes no time. Yeah, you let it. You say, yo, if I can't beat Connor, then he deserves to be the champion. But sooner yeah. or later, I'm going to have to fight him anyway. No might need as well, to wait. No, might Get as well paid. be sooner than later. So I, I agree. I think that's a horrible fight for Connor. Never argue it was a bad fight for Gaethje. It's a horrible fight for Connor because Connor should take a Poirier or someone he can game plan against a little bit easier. Um, I like the idea of, you know, it's just I don't know who else. Um, I mentioned, you know, maybe the winner of this Nate fight, if he wants to go Nate trilogy, if Nate ends up winning. At welterweight? <laughs> nah. I mean, he's done it before against Wait, playing against Nate, but I, I don't know if that's a good fight for him at this point either. Um, Anthony Pettis, I think, is someone who's beatable and has a name, but he's coming off of a loss. So you you look, there's not too many easy fights, but jumping back into the top tier is difficult. Okay. I don't want I don't want him to get a cupcake, but also you know if if I'm Connor's camp, I say don't take a cupcake, but also don't take Khabib right out the gate again or Gaethje's. Three straight first-round finishes. Yeah, but, if, like, if you fought Anthony Pettis, one, why? Why would you even give Pettis that kind of a payday you know, coming off a loss? Two, a win gets you what? Nothing. It gets you your legs back under you. Doug, he's only been out. He's been out less than a year. Fighters have been out much longer than yeah, November, Conor McGregor. November's a year, but the, he's had two fights now in the matter of four years. I mean, look at Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz was out for a long-ass time. Okay, but it's two fights in four years. Sooner or later, yeah, it's going to catch up to you. Your last fight might only be 11 months, but your fight prior to that was a year and a half before then. So now we're we're getting into the three-and-a-half-year range. Yeah, well, whose fault is that? That's his, like, so I, you let him build himself back up. I'm not I saying the blame is not his fault. I'm saying you keep setting him up for failure by putting him in there against guys who are legit on a roll. I'm not sure if momentum counts for much in MMA, but it counts for something. 
I, I don't know, man. Like, you put Connor in there with Anthony Pettis, which seems absolutely pointless. And let's just say Pettis catches McGregor. Now why did you do this? Then Connor shouldn't have been fighting. Yeah, like, you put him in there against someone you feel he has the best thing to win. The best way to win. It's like football. Listen, if the Patriots are in there against the Dolphins. Like, you tell Patriots, hey, you know, you got to warm up a little bit. You'd rather start your season with the Dolphins or you rather start it against the Rams? You know what? We're probably going to start it against the Dolphins. Well, what if the Dolphins beat you? Well, then we're not as good as we thought we were. But yeah. we, you gave them the best matchup possible. The only problem with that analogy is the Dolphins don't get you automatically in the Super Bowl. Conor McGregor beats Justin Gaethje. He's right back in the title picture. And that's where he wants to be. No other fight gets him in the title picture right now. That's Dustin Poirier doesn't uh, get him in the title picture. Dustin Poirier just came out the title picture. At least exactly. he'll keep you lingering. Nah, eh. I mean, but again, Dustin Poirier might be Conor McGregor. He so might. It, there's no which, real, then he there's shouldn't no, be there. There's no safe fight at 100 in, in, uh, at lightweight. There's no safe fight. No. But Anybody you got, can beat you. Styles make fights, which we just said earlier. And that style is his best chance. I, I don't Poirier? feel Khabib. Yeah, Poirier. Uh, one, we've seen him knock out Poirier. Yes. But the, the other issue is, but yeah, he knocked out Poirier at featherweight. And Poirier is much different. And it, keep in mind, he's the guy who beat Justin Gaethje. Agreed. But styles make fights. I think he can. It's a style you've game planned for before. You understand what angles he's coming from. You understand how you can fit in your shots. Yes. I think that's a better style than going against Justin Gaethje, who you've never fought, who's more pressure and put his head in your chest which Nate Diaz almost knocked you out twice with, which Floyd Mayweather used that same tactic to kick your ass. Yeah, I think that's a tougher fight. And Khabib, again, proved that he's the toughest stylistic matchup for you. So don't go right back into that either. But, again, it's like, all right, Justin Poirier, like, the, the true reason that Conor, like, Conor didn't beat Poirier in, like, a three-round fight, a two-round fight. He caught him with a shot early. Yep, behind the and, ear. There is nothing about that fight that Conor can really take away from and do it again. It's just like if Conor was to fight Jose Aldo again, there's no way that punch is happening again. No, but so you feel comfortable with a guy who wants to strike at range and put combinations together. You can you know, slip the punches and find you know, quirky angles. And that's you, what Justin Gaethje does. He strikes at range. Why do you think he lands those leg kicks? I, I think Justin Gaethje at range loves those leg kicks. His best stuff is burying his head in between his elbows, walking into your chest, and letting you have it. I don't think that's his best. I, I think I that's don't his think, best strikes. Like every, Everything that Justin Gaethje has done as, as a winner has, and he been, has And he's changed a lot, so you are right. He's changed it more. This is more range, you know, not get wild, man. Because, yeah, he'll clip you at range, but his bread and butter, he's always rushed in, and he's always chunking them. Yeah, he don't do that no more. So, so he might have changed a little bit. But the so, tape, the tape says he's going to stand there and let it just be in your chest. I don't, I don't think so, man. Like, I think, like, I don't think there's a bet. I don't think either of them are a better fight for Conor McGregor, who's been, you know, who just got mauled by Khabib. I don't think either fight is better for him. They're like, both better than just, Khabib. Well, yeah, of course. And that's why <laughs> you don't get the title fight. Like, honestly, you know, it, who is it? I mean, is Tony Ferguson a better fight than either of those two for Conor? Mm, no. They're all bad, man. Yeah, it's They're a murderer's row down there. So yeah, that's true. Like, and if the you're top a guy, five, top six of that division is just scary. And if you're the champ, champ, like you don't want a soft touch. Like you want to get in there tough. Because if you're gonna fight Khabib, you can't fight Anthony Pettis. Okay, 
Pettis is like the ultimate, ultimate warm-up. He's like last resort. No, but I, I think Poirier now becomes like, okay, he lost, but he was right there. And also, Pettis is a welterweight now, so they, you yeah, don't do that. It's oversized there, too. But we'll see. We'll see what Connor decides. He tweeted out December 14th. He wants to fight in Dublin. Tentatively scheduled already for Vegas. So we'll see how it shakes out. We don't know what the hell Connor's talking about anymore. We, no one knows what Connor's talking about. So it's all wait and see with Mystic Mac. And uh, in the meantime, Jorge Masvidal is dressed like Scarface today. Of course he is. In New York. And he's talking, you know, and they have a full rollout for the November card with him and Nate Diaz. So it's going to keep being fun. It's going to keep us on our toes. And that's the end of this show today. Started off in a car. Dre, we finished off the right way with me inside and us chopping up about combat sports. Combat sports heavy today, which is uh, great. Starting off with pro wrestling. So that was good as well. We want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on Patreon episodes, which I should be recording one here either today or tomorrow before I head to Bristol. And then we'll get right back on track with those. Uh, apologies. It's been a crazy moving experience for me. So Patreon has been a little bit slacking, but we promise we're going to get right back on that and pick it up. Uh, starting this weekend and then follow us on social media at the corner lsn on all platforms me at kyle dansby him at andreas hale dre that's it for this week till next week we're out peace mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement whether mom's into classic dress watches rare and refined ceramics or tried and true bestsellers Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.